Welcome back to Rinkwise, everyone. We are New England's premier hockey podcast produced by the New England Hockey Journal. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. We're back again. Another great episode on deck with a very special guest and longtime Milton Academy head coach, Paul Canada. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you. So really excited for this discussion this morning. We've already had a great chance to talk a lot already this morning. And again, really excited to have you on the show. And first off, congratulations on a long and wonderful career. I know recently retiring from Milton. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. 20 years. Crazy. Blink, yeah. blink of an eye. Blink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So does it feel like that? Has it set in yet that it's been that long? And have you had a chance to reflect on everything yet? Short answer, no. <laughs> uh, and no, it doesn't feel like it's been that long. And no, we haven't really had a chance to, to reflect. But uh, over time, I think you do. But uh, we, we stay busy and, and busy both finishing up the year at Milton and busy making making this adjustment and moving forward. Yeah, no, that's, that's wonderful. And uh, Paul, such a great resource in so many avenues with hockey and of course just to before we go there just to start off and with such a, a wonderful career I know just maybe kind of walk us through a little bit there's a big background hockey background there I know but just maybe walk us through that how it all started for you well like a, like a lot of kids around Boston Bobby Orr <laughs> and I was born in 67 so probably went into the West Roxbury MDC rank for the first time roughly 1972-73 Bruins were winning Stanley Cups, and hockey was obviously becoming popular. And the state did a great job by building community rinks to get kids involved, and and I was lucky to be to be one of those kids. And and then just each step of the way, just like yourself, by hook or crook, you've you've stayed involved, and hockey's been a big part of my life. That's great, and I I know myself, for example, I wasn't necessarily planning on staying in hockey after college. Like, was that sort of your path as well? It found you instead of the other way around. Yeah, it's funny when I, I graduated from Hamilton College and and then played for one year and low level in in Europe and kicked it around and had fun and and then came back to get a quote unquote real job and. <laughs> Went out to Springfield to Mass Mutual to interview for group insurance, and my college coach was sending a, a recommendation to the to the sales manager there, and saw that it was in Springfield, and and just called and mentioned that AIC in Springfield was looking for a grad assistant, and I didn't know much about about them at all, but I, I did the morning at Mass Mutual with the eighty dollar suit on sure. and all that, and then. I, I remember walking out in the parking lot about 12, 12.30, and, and there was another guy in the pie. I said, hey, excuse me, you're from the area. Do you, you tell me where AIC is? And he said, yeah, State Street. Go down about three miles. You'll come right to it. So, yeah, and I'm out here. So I, I literally just drove down State Street, came to the school, parked my car, and again, got out of the car. First person I saw, I said, hey, do you, would you know where the hockey coach's office is? And, <laughs> and I knew his name was Gary Wright. And they said, yeah, he's in the housing office up over in that building. And, and literally just walked over to the building, went up, found his office, knocked on the door, went in, introduced myself, and and then ended up going back for a, sort of an official visit interview a couple weeks later. And and then that began a, a long-time relationship with Gary Wright. And Larry O'Donnell was the assistant coach out there at the time, now head of Warrior Lacrosse and Hockey Sales and remained a good friend. But, but that... No intentions. I just thought it was kind of interesting that I could get a master's degree. And uh, so young and a few people around me said, hey, get it now before you have kids. Right. And sure. 
so did and then that led to north adams and led to umass boston and led to northeastern and ultimately led to me sitting here in 2023 <laughs> yeah that's wonderful what a what an incredible story and start and i think moral of that story be proactive yeah want something go for it yeah it's funny we're around kids all the time now and 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 yeah we all change things change but but the phones and the texting and the emails. And I think as, as maybe adults right now, we do encourage, hey, go say hello. Sure. Go introduce yourself. Go ask. And, and I think we have lost a little bit of that. Mm. But back then, you didn't have a choice. There was no navigate. There was no cell phone. There was no navigate. You had to just ask and find out what things were. And that's where it led. That's right. Yeah, and you're so right about that. It'd be nice, I, I think, these days. There's so many benefits, of course, to the advanced technology, but but you're right, you sort of lose that uh, sort of one-on-one feel, yeah. and maybe it'd be great if we could sort of find the balance somewhere, yeah. it's right in the middle yeah. between yeah. both of them. Yeah. But uh, but we'll see. But uh, So Northeastern, so you spent some time there. I know we, yeah. we chatted about yeah. that and just went up in my book for Northeastern. <laughs> of course, we have that connection, and it, yeah. we just missed each other, I think, yeah. unfortunately, but yeah. spent some yeah. time on the boys' side there. Yeah, six years, uh, and it was awesome. Uh, being, as we talked about, just all aspects of Northeastern was was awesome, and, uh, and from a hockey perspective, I worked with some great people. I see Bruce Crowder, Mark Carlson, Jamie Rice, and Eddie Arrington, and, and I knew Jimmy Madigan prior to that, but but got to know him a little better and, and still keep in touch. And and then the hockey, I just learned a lot, just got to see sort of the national landscape that way and, and talk about meeting people and going places and just getting a feel for, for hockey in different places. And then the players and athletes that were there were, were phenomenal as well. So it was, it was a great chapter. That's that's awesome. Yeah, just a great overall experience. And we were talking just to how things have changed so much too. Yeah. even just Northeastern, just the the landscape, the everything is just more, dare I say, elite or advanced, if you will. Yeah, it's uh, with every step forward, as we, we discussed a little, there's certainly pros and there's possibly some cons. And uh, the, the progress that, that has been made in hockey and around hockey in some aspects is, is phenomenal. And then in some aspects, I think it presents challenges to people, both as coaches and parents and, and players. Yeah, in- indeed. And yeah, we'll, we'll certainly talk more about that throughout the show. But so walk us through... Milton, so Northeastern, and then how did Milton Academy present itself to you? Yeah, it's funny too. When I early '90s working hockey schools in the summer, something else that has sort of sort of gone away. But uh, working with older coaches at that time, and I remember somebody saying, or a bunch of them saying, the best job in hockey is to get a job at a prep school in a house down the Cape. So eventually, I got a job at a prep school and I was down the Cape. And, and honestly, I, I still say Phil Grady, one of them, my my college coach at Hamilton. I, I talk to him every now and then, and I say to him, "It's been just a phenomenal, phenomenal life." You were dead on. I I knew with Northeastern and and the travel and and college hockey was just starting to really change with the early commitments just the just the beginnings of it and and I knew too my wife and I were at a stage where we we were going to get married and and you want to have children and I knew too I just couldn't see myself being 
in Calgary calling home on a Sunday morning asking how things were going. That's right. the way I sum it up. And prep school I, I looked at as a great compromise. The hockey was good. You're working with good players. You're able to run a, a, a quality program. At the same time, that recruiting piece at the prep school level at the time wasn't anything like, obviously, Division One college hockey, and you weren't jumping on planes and driving to Ottawa on a moment's notice and things of that nature. So it, to, to live at the school, to live in the town of Milton, to raise my family in Milton, to have a place on the Cape, honestly, it's just been a, it's been a dream come true and, and a phenomenal 20 years. And there's not a day I'm not thankful that, that myself and my family have, have had that. It's, it's all been fantastic on, on every level. Wow, it's just an incredible story there and, and background. And as we discussed, just the, the differences a little bit between the prep world and the college and just the the impact per se that the prep level, because you're just you're you're so engaged with the school life, the campus life, and you really you see your your players on campus and you're really kind of living there, you're part of it, right? That's must be nice to have made such an impact like that. Yeah, you, you hope so. And, uh, and again, the, the, the athletes that, that I've been able to work with at Milton also have been phenomenal. Whether they were the, the, the best players on the team or middle of the roster or, or you, know, you have kids in prep school too that, that hockey, they're not going to go play college hockey, but they love to play hockey and, and they're playing at the high school level and, and they're phenomenal kids as well. And, and then some of them, hockey was their second sport. So to, to deal with that variety of kid and, and hopefully, again, with hopefully providing a quality program and a quality experience, it was a, it was a good part of their life. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And had a chance to read, I think it was a note from a student, right, that before yeah, before yeah. the show started. And I won't read the whole thing, but one of the phrases that really stood out was, Paul was a fountain of happiness in in this young person's basically everyday life and a couple things Paul number one you don't see cursive a whole lot anymore so that's for for a young person I think to take the time to write an in-depth letter like that and reading the whole thing I can tell you obviously our audience can't see it but I read it and just the the impact of of someone like yourself that's been made on these young folks their lives incredible to see that well again at the prep school level and, and that was a not a hockey player not an athlete just a student that that I had in a couple of classes so some of the hockey players would be like fountain of happiness <laughs> 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 but that that's the interesting part of prep school is you do go from working with this year, we had a we had a good team, and you're you're competing at a high level in hockey in a in a fairly intense environment on a daily basis, and at the same time, maybe an hour before, you were with a group of students in a class that that is a is a totally different different environment, and so as a as a person, you you are going to be different in those environments, but but again, hopefully, like anybody working in a school. Sometimes just allowing the kids to, to pass through and, and be kids and, mm. and being 14 nowadays or 15 or 16 is, is challenging. There's, there's a lot that these kids are dealing with that, that you and I didn't have to deal with. Sure. And so hopefully 
you, you did provide a, an okay experience, whatever that was within the context of that day or that class or that group or that particular kid. Yeah, no, I, I'd say indeed. And if any experience I think I've learned over the course of a decade plus now, it's when a young person, I think, in a in a generation where communication is different, I guess I'll say for, for the teenage years, I think for a, a young person to really take the time and go out of their way to communicate such a positive impact, it's shows, I think, a character and, and the, the type of person and coach that we have sitting in front of us right now, and that's you. Yeah, and it's funny, as, as you two working in, in, in AAA hockey or hockey, is you, you do get a fair amount of those real positive notes or emails or comments at the end of a season, and at the same time, you probably have a few people that want you fired. <laughs> and you, know, you, you kind of know true. where it's going to come from and why it's coming, both on the positive and negative. But no different than Alex Cora or any other coach out there. There's, there's the positives and then there's, there's the challenges. Oh, indeed. And yeah, let's talk more about that. So, of course, 20 years career, two decades at Milton Academy. And I'm sure lots of positive, lots of learning oh. as well. And certainly highlight ISL champs 2011, I believe. And you've gotten a chance to work with some really outstanding athletes like Will Smith. And certainly, I'm sure, just so many positives over oh. those years. Oh, yeah. Just innumerable. And, and there's been a few things where people have asked me for a highlight or the highlights. And I, I just say, honestly, I, the totality of the experience is mm. what I what I say. And and you're, you're referencing probably learning through those 20 years. And, and I'm still to this day and, and what I'm doing now and will do and starting getting into a couple of summer programs. You're still thinking of things you're still and as we discussed a little bit earlier where where is that needle mm. whether you're working with 12 year olds or prep school kids or college kids or whatever it is where it's it's fascinating it, it really is I think I've always it's been my life in terms of development obviously more hockey than anything but youth development and athletic development and and it's changed, as we've alluded to, over these 20 years. It's continuing to change, and, and it's, it's been a fun, fun part of life to be involved in, no, no question. Beats, beats the world world, I always say. I, I think it does. Yeah. <laughs> and I would agree with that. Yeah. I definitely get to do hockey every day. But yeah, and, and there, are, there is a lot of change, both not only at the prep level and college level, but also at the youth level. And it is all, I think, connected. And you know, you've, you've been doing this for so long. Like, what are some of the changes let's maybe talk about the youth side for a second well there's, there's a lot <laughs> and and i guess i would say that or i've observed that there's more opportunity now than there certainly was mm. from each decade seems to have presented more opportunity for everything for math piano singing this is the last week of school at milton so we've had some performances and and things going on and you see these kids music and and speech and you're just you're just dumbfounded by the talent you're like, this is a high school kid are you right. kidding me yeah and and no different than alluding to some of the better hockey players that are out there you're like this kid's 15 and and you see it on on both sides female and male now or you know that level of ability in all domains has gotten gotten better at the elite level and then now that leads you to say to caution not everybody's in the game to be an elite player 
and certainly we know that not every player, no matter what they do, is going to reach a high level. It's mm. just the way it is. There's a reason. There's only, they call it elite. And uh, even at looking at the NHL draft recently, too, and, and just scanning through the rankings, whatever group it was, and, and seeing some kids now rank, say, 6th, 7th, 8th round, which is still phenomenal, right? But, but statistics tell you that you're 7th round pick, statistics tell you what they tell you right and knowing how good those kids are and how good they were two years ago or a year or still are and and it's 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 hard so so i think all of us have to be careful parents coaches etc to to find that balance between we're going to provide a quality program for you but let's be realistic about where this might go right most people i find are most the high percentage of people quote unquote get it but that's something that we're we're all managing mm. yeah no question just a lot a lot more opportunities no yep. question and it's it's certainly i've i've noticed that big time like there wasn't really much attention to skill work or individual type of yep. work back when i was growing up but now and even one thing that we also were talking about is just the sort of like the expectations of these young sort of triple a teams and you have people like a division one coach who might be coaching their 10 year old on their club team, just completely different landscape now. Yeah. And that bar is raised. There's, there's no question too. I think when years ago, you're just lucky that you had a person, somebody that was there <laughs> that had some sense of the game and a, and a good person and set up the lines and change mm. the lines and run some type of practice. And now, and again, in a positive, you watch some youth practices. If I were to walk into to Merrimack College on a given night, you look out there like, wow, they're doing some really good things. Right. Much different than they did 20 years ago. But yeah, where where is that <laughs> expectation? What's reasonable to expect, both at the, the youth level, the high school level? It's it's definitely a good question now. And, and, and the kids are arriving at high school, most of them having had some really good coaching whether that was quote-unquote private coaching or even their, their club teams happened to have some people that were high level. So the expectation now of your typical high school coach, no matter where they are, is much greater than it certainly was years ago. Is that fair? It's a good question. Mm. Probably not fair in some ways. These people aren't full-time coaches. They may be teachers as well. They may do other things. And and at the same time, I'll say with my own children are coming through youth sports now, I've seen some people at the Little League level like, wow, that's a really good coach. Yeah. Like that, that person is doing a really good job. And coaching Little League, I think it's the hardest thing to coach in youth sports just because oh, you have interesting. to have, well, you have to have a lineup. There's all sorts of rules about playing certain innings, getting at bats, pitch counts, the different baseball has a lot of nuance, a lot of more rules. I think you coach hockey, five people out there, <laughs> it sort of takes care of itself. Soccer, yeah. it takes care of itself. Yeah. Where baseball, there's a lot more management to it, and you're dealing with the emotions of, of 10, 11 year olds. And the other thing with, with the emotions in baseball is both teams are watching the game, and the pitcher is in front of all his peers at age 10 and 11, whereas Hockey, you can blend in, you can trip over your skates and then the puck <laughs> goes the other way and 
kind of gets lost in the game. Same with basketball. Whereas baseball, it it's becomes into that ball is hit to you. What you know? Anyways, but I so I've seen volunteer coaches manage that situation. What I would describe as extremely well, mm. which which is impressive. That's incredibly. You're what a great perspective there on just the the overall different sports. And I can't help but think of the Little League World Series that we watch oh, on yeah. TV. Well, that's an example of it, and and it's become a, a must watch. Is it right? Is there anybody at ESPN right now that could sit here and say this is this is right to put that type of spotlight on on Little League kids? Pre- pressure. I mean, yeah. no. Does it make money? Yes. Is that why it's on TV? Yes. And then now, okay, let's look at the positive. The Mass Little League Tournament is is an awesome thing to be involved. It really is. I was lucky to be a, a, a hanger-on or around or a parent or whatever with some Milton groups that, that were involved and did well. But, dot, dot, dot. Mm. And, and can everybody manage that well? And, and is that, to chase that, it does just like what you deal with on a daily basis with, with a AAA program. It, it creates a bit of a, a bit of a beast. Well, and that's, again, no question, I think, to be as, as blunt as, as possible, I would, I would say that is a huge aspect of change at the youth level is it is now a business, Yeah. right? These small businesses that are operating, like, so for example, some of these coaches that we're describing, like they could now be paid handsomely of the staff, right? <laughs> so it's, it's a little, little business. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, not say, so little. Yeah. No, I mean, youth sports is a multi-billion-dollar industry, and yeah. as people say, it used to be we used to we used to walk down to the park to play sports, and and then we took our bikes a little further to a <laughs> further field, and then and then we got driven in cars, and now now we fly to youth sports, and and much more so in the baseball kids. So so again, another positive negative. New England baseball players are doing much better than 15 years ago playing in Division One level and, and drafted and all that good stuff. But now they, they're flying down in October, November to Florida to pitch in front of the ACC coaches or SEC coach, whatever. Okay, not the worst thing, but, but what is that cost financially for a weekend to fly to Florida? And the other part of that is now some of those kids aren't playing football or soccer now mm. because they've got to do some fall baseball or, and, and they're not maybe playing hockey in the winter. No different than our soccer players aren't playing JV hockey in the winter anymore. They're playing indoor soccer on turf and the lacrosse players aren't playing JV hockey anymore because they're playing indoor lacrosse on turf. So there's a positive that the, the athletes in soccer, baseball, lacrosse are becoming better because that type of access, that type of training but we're losing that those other aspects of the well-roundedness of, of maybe those kids and, and all the kids. And not sure that there's necessarily a correct answer or response now, really how we change that or how we handle that. But I think another point, and you mentioned it, and some of our past guests have mentioned it, is the cost now, really, that is associated. And is that also driving people away that maybe can't keep up? 
to those costs. Yeah, I guess you could say literally driving. You're either driving into it or you're driving away from it. You're driving. You're going to Connecticut. <laughs> you're going to Albany. You're going to New Hampshire. No doubt. No doubt. And and again, I would say that's that's also true across a lot of domains. Get into music. Get into theater. Get into get into math. There, there's more opportunity in, in every domain, but unfortunately, yes. And I, I think you have three children, you've got to make some decisions mm. and how you can literally just manage. As some people would say you would, you would need a helicopter right. to manage a weekend of a, a typical family that has an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 12-year-old. Whereas, you know, I, I like the Kelleher family out of Belmont, a legendary family that had five boys that, that all played college hockey. Most of Chris was at BU and, and Pat went to Brown. Pat's now the executive director That's of right. USA Hockey. Yep. And Pat would be a great guy to have on here because what a, what, a, what a traditional, tremendous family mm-hmm. that was able to have fire. And it wasn't just hockey. They played, they played lots of things. Uh, most of what they played was within Belmont, somewhere right. within reason. Whereas now... You know, you're going to have Pat going to Enfield and Brendan going to Maine and Chris has a tournament in Pittsburgh. Uh, right. That's crazy, both financially and logistically, just impossible. Mm. So with these sort of enhanced opportunities, probably higher expectations now on families and athletes. Paul, do you think that we're sort of seeing a bit of a decline on the sort of well-rounded student athletes now doing multiple activities well we're definitely seeing an incline on the ability of the better players female and male Mm. no question again just like the wow factor of watching a musical performance or or seeing some of the better athletes at 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 the levels but but yeah that you just can't you have to make a decision and all the families out there listening to this now there just comes a point when your child is maybe 10 11 12 and you'd love to be playing soccer in the fall, but you've got a junior terriers game at two o'clock, and you've got a club soccer game at two o'clock mm. uh, in September. We didn't used to start hockey in September. We we do now, but but then I, I recognize that these rinks, these people of the real estate in this area is expensive. So if you have a rink running, you're running the Foxborough Ice Center. That's that's a serious bill you have. And now the beauty, too, is Foxborough Ice Center has three rinks, which, which I'm a part of in the summer, that, that provides three sheets of ice 12 months a year for our hockey players. Right. That's fantastic. But, yeah, the, the, how do you play soccer and hockey? You, you can't right. at, at some point. And, and then baseball and lacrosse get rubbed, and you have to, you have to make decisions, unfortunately. Right. Right, and I think you also, you brought up a great point, just keeping things, I think, in perspective. It's a lot of opportunities for players to get better and, and, and continue their progress with their sport, but there's also going to be a lot of athletes that are playing simply for the love of playing. Yeah, and you hope, now, again, there's, there's tremendous, the town of Hingham, youth, you could rattle them off, Milton, Walpole, that, that have quality, tremendous youth hockey programs that for less money than your AAA programs, you can, you can play. Mm. But I, you, you hope that then every child has an, an opportunity to play hockey. Right. You know, right. We're involved with hockey, that's what we, it's our thing. You hope that's the case. Really kind of a cool thing. So later this summer, something I've always wanted to do, so kind of on your point, is I'm going to do probably like a golf outing and 
get a lot of former families engaged and back involved, but going to use that as an opportunity to provide some assistance to families struggling to pay for yep. hockey tuitions. So it's always something that I've wanted yeah. to do. And yeah. I think with the increased sort of loads yeah. on families, it's something that I yeah. think we're going to launch this yeah. summer. So. Yeah. And I, I tip tip my hat to you, and and maybe that's something. And I know we got an overtime piece coming up, but with <laughs> hockey, is it's almost like profit sharing. Can a can a the the bigger programs also set aside a piece? But but it's tough because the costs are. It's not just the tuition; it's everything. Right. Going, right. And, and literally where the games are located to get there on a day, and it's. And it's the time piece. It's it's the financial cost and the time, the commitment that that we're looking for. But people out there, I'm sure, if my mom was here today, she'd say, you know what? It was a big commitment for us back in mm. 1975. All things being relative, but to play CYO basketball in West Roxbury in 1975 probably cost five dollars. I imagine playing hockey cost a hundred dollars. Mm. So, all things being relative, that on a hockey stick back then was, we thought it. We think it's cheap now, but in, in those dollars for those families in those days. Again, the Kelleher family, I'm sure having sticks for all those boys <laughs> and shin pads, and they had their moments where I'm sure they would tell you, like, oh, this wasn't cheap then either. I'm sure, yeah. So, a lot, lot of hand-me-downs, I'm sure. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The fifth yeah. probably got a lot of the uh, yeah. the leftovers, I'm sure. But uh, And before we just we, we pivot on from the youth world, just to kind of a funny story, I guess, just maybe sort of indicating the direction that we're going to be heading in the youth world. As I mentioned to you before the show, just I recently had a call with, and this is U10 age, yeah. with basically probably three to four NHL slash high college, former college athletes, yeah. dads, who all have daughters now. And essentially a year out in advance, already landscaping their U10 team. And this is, can you imagine having three or four sort of NHL caliber type guys like coaching a team? Yeah. I mean, that's, again, it's great in a lot of ways, yeah. but that's, it's, it's a sort of a norm now. What we're, we're seeing, I think, at the youth level. Yeah. And, and again, the, pos the positive would be that those girls have the potential to have a, a phenomenal experience and that type of hockey knowledge and, and understanding of the game mm. in, in all aspects hopefully would, would be great. But it, it always comes back, okay, where's the needle? Right, where's, right. Where do you put the needle on what's maybe too much? But again, it's, it's, we said it, they're both free countries. And if, if you choose that you want to, and, and on my own children, I've always asked them, like, next year, this is what you can do, potentially. And this is what this would probably be like. Do you want to do that? Mm. Yes or no? And and I have two children that went through sports, I guess you could say, for slightly different reasons and slightly different ways. And 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 I would like to think both have had good experiences in, in their own ways. So it's a choice. Nobody says, hey, you have to go play for the social kings or the the Eagles or whatever, the Islanders. It's a choice. And and you make that choice and, and then manage it. Right. Right. And so speaking of your kids, so you were very fortunate that you got to work with your son yeah. at Milton and he also graduated this oh, year. I believe. He's got one more year. One yeah, more year. William. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That must have been special. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and as I said, just being around my family, you know, on the campus, living there, having, having both my children go to the school, 
Yeah, fa fantastic. My family, we all grew up working kind of in an Italian restaurant, and, and that was sort of our common... Fun. Yeah, oh, yeah. And again, you think back, yeah, it, was, it certainly was fun. But so so now with, with my family, we, we sort of have Milton in common, and and I, was, I didn't have to miss anything. I always said I'm glad I wasn't a brain surgeon because I could <laughs> drop whatever I was doing for whatever situation. Literally, my office was 100 yards from where we lived, and the rank was was 80 yards and and phenomenal yeah. yeah oh that's a great setup and yeah so with with Milton again just a, a great career and it's wonderful to hear someone that's yeah. so passionate about hockey and coaching and so impactful and you're very fortunate you've got to also work with some really outstanding athletes and what have been just some of the the things that worked well for you developing your culture at Milton. Yeah, well, with the athletes too, I have a program coming up in the summer. And what we try to do with the program in the summer is, is not just the on ice. Mo most of these kids are sort of in the roughly middle school area. And, and I know that the player will follow the person. We say that all the time. The player will follow the person. I'm sure the doctor will follow the person. The businessman will follow the person. So, so with the program in the summer, holistic or total, whatever you want to call it, that they understand as they're getting towards high school that there is certain attributes that almost all successful athletes have. It's not an accident that, that Lee McAvoy has gotten to where he's gotten. Right. Like, that's not an accident. It's, oh, he's a good player. Oh, he can skate. Oh, he can handle a puck. And, and I don't know Charlie personally. I just use him as an example, too, because he was at BU, I believe he was 17. Eight, certainly 18 and and then he was turned pro at roughly 18 19 mm. i believe it was 18 i could be wrong but 18 19 and he's managed this landscape through those years which is a testament not to charlie mcavoy the hockey player but charlie mcavoy the person stay with the charlies charlie goyle and and keep going any any of these athletes that have done well and we've been lucky in this city to watch professionally a lot of phenomenal people but the the better players all have those attributes of just if you say practices at three they're there at two right happily yeah and and taping their stick love being around positive bring positive energy on a daily basis all the time obviously a work ethic they're they're smart they're i think people would be surprised how bright some of these young kids are that that do well we also always say thinking is thinking you don't go to english class and think one way and then an hour later come down to the rink and you're a different thinker if you can think you can think and so with the summer program and, and anything we're involved in, you, you look for those athletes that have those attributes, that mm -hmm. helps. And then you're trying to develop those attributes within the program so that your, your whole group functions in that, that manner. And we always say, give us good. This past year at Milton, we had a phenomenal group that, I don't know, we say they overachieved. I thought we were going to be okay. And, and yes, in my eyes, I guess they overachieved because of great kids right really if somebody wants to ask and they were just great kids they they had a high expectation for themselves they had a high energy level they whatever they did was good if we had a video session it was good it was good probably wasn't perfect but it was good if we had a practice it was good if we had a 
if we, wherever we were leaving for, I call them a light group. Like it was, it was easy. They right. were, and and so those those attributes you try to develop, you try to, to to pass on, and and I think the beauty too is a lot of these kids. No, they're not going to be Charlie McAvoy. Ninety nine percent of them, if not higher, are not going to be Charlie McAvoy. But you're going to take those attributes into whatever domain when you're 24, 25 years old. And I think if you live that way on a daily basis, you're going to have success no matter, no matter what you do, which is hopefully a, a, a nice offshoot of what we do do. Great perspective there, indeed. And it's really eye-opening, isn't it, to, to remind ourselves, I think, just what you said, that certainly that percentage of sort of the elite, if you will, moving on. But majority of our kids that we're coaching probably won't. And we are making an impact in their lives and teaching them life skills for the rest of their lives. Oh, you, you, you certainly hope so. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, Brian Boyle, you see, has jumped on NHL Network here in the, in the spring. And, and you can see some of his, his quips and his mind. And, and uh, yeah, I'll give you a shout out, Brian. And I'm impressed. And he's funny, insightful. And, and again, a positive is most of our better athletes in the New England area do get funneled through the quote-unquote school system, which I think is fantastic. Because again, 90-whatever percent are, are not going to be Brian Boyle. But when they are 28 years old, they, they've had a good education. They've gone whatever school they went to and to whatever college and however many goals they scored or didn't score, they're still able to have a, a quality educational experience and they develop a network of, of friends and friendships that are going to serve them well in life. And, and I think we're lucky that way. In Canada, that's, that's not the case. A lot of the better players are funneled in, and I don't want to denigrate the major junior system, but it, but it is a different system. Right. And in Europe, your better athletes go into a professional environment at age 16. It's a different system, which doesn't serve all of them so well. And, and again, I love prep school because your worst case scenario is you're going to play club hockey at a college. Right. Which, for some, lots of those kids, that is a grand slam home run <laughs> compared to... I'm going to play midget AAA, I'm going to play three years of juniors, I'm going to go somewhere in a 10% scholarship and play on the third line and end up in a, with a different educational background, shall right. we say. Right, right, yeah. And uh, Paula, sometimes I think that it is good reminders sometimes for parents to, to hear that because it's... Uh, I think one, one aspect that I've sort of mellowed out a little bit because I've gotten a little older coaching is just realizing that. Again, when you have like your, your team and your landscape, like these ex-players are going to go on to be Division One or Division Three prospects. These players are probably not. Yep. Yet they're giving you the same commitment. If not more, <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And for so many of them, like some just, they want, they love being part of the team. Yeah. They love their friends. They love the locker room. They love, they love practicing. And yeah. it's, again, maybe just, again, getting older, but it's like, that's awesome that they have that experience. And if anything, like that's maybe even a, a one of the most proud parts of yeah. coaching is, is, is really making that impact in their lives. Yeah. 
I had a chance to sit down with a dad, started his own business. Now it's a worldwide business. One of those stories, great guy. And so he's got, he's got offices all over different countries and lots of things going on. And I, and I asked him, I said, what, what is your biggest challenge with, with what you're doing? He said, it's easy. He goes, just finding good people that can work with people. He said, right now, that is absolutely my greatest challenge as a, as a business leader. He said, if I need an accountant to do this, I can hire an accountant. If I need a software developer, there's plenty of software developers out there that can, can provide us what we need and, and specific tasks of that nature. He said, but our greatest challenge is, is finding sort of managers and people who can talk with one another and, and take information and make decisions about it. And, and, and I, so you'd like to think with those of us working in the sports world, we are helping to provide that resource to the, to the world, the people who can be on a team, who can understand what that entails and, and the type of commitment it takes and, and the fact that some days are going to be better than others and you're going to win, you're going to lose, and you're going to be on the power play and you're going to be off the power play and you're going to all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's absolutely. And I certainly think athletes do have a little bit of an advantage in those some of those categories indeed. Yeah, you, you would hope so. <laughs> yeah. But so pivoting in just for a second, so for Milton and just talking about the the boys prep scene, you've yep. been around for so long and, and again, just seen, seen so many things, seen 20 years ago to now, I'm sure a lot of changes happening in those times and change will continue to happen. Yep. Yeah, I, I'd say sometimes too, as much as things have changed, not much has changed <laughs> in a way. Belmont Hill had a good hockey team in 1980. Belmont Hill had a good hockey team this year. The menu across hockey has gotten thicker, no question. But I, I'd also look at the schools themselves haven't changed. All St. Sebastian's was a great school 30 years ago. It's a great school now. Right. Milton Academy, go right down the line. St. Mark's, where, whatever one you want to mention. Have they? Have any of them changed all that much? No. So. I think they're still providing quality education, quality experience, quality athletic experience. But again, it, it probably circles back to the expectations of people and families and, and what's happened externally have certainly changed. And again, that's provided choice. Mm. If, if again, you have a 15-year-old and I've had families that come and say, well, where are you going to look? Oh, we're looking right now at Shattuck, Milton, and pick a school. And I'm like, all right, well, they each, they're all good. What, what, would, you, what would you prefer? Right. What, what are you looking right. for? And you have choice. And that's a great part of our country. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And all, all very different, too. There's lots of different choices, yeah. really. Even with schools, sometimes it doesn't seem like there's one that's the same, exactly the same yeah, as no. the other. Yeah, all different flavors. That's what I say, too. It's like an ice cream store. There's, there's <laughs> lots of flavors. And even maybe for, for siblings, one school might be right for one sibling and another school might be right for, for another sibling. And, and that includes any, any of the high schools that are out there. They're all, they're all fantastic. They're all providing great opportunities. And you can get to lots of places from, from lots of schools. Mm. What we do happen to live in a geographic area that has maybe the greatest amount of, of options on the planet, possibly within 15 miles of here. Yeah. So that makes it a little different. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Just it's every corner, just a prestigious yeah. Yeah. school or 
program. It's it's really kind of incredible when you think yeah. about it. Even even up where you are with with North Andover High School, Andover High School, Andover Prep School, and Brooks, all within what six to eight to ten miles of oh, each other, easily. And and yeah. you have those types of options right there. I mean, if you live in Kansas, I don't <laughs> think you have that. It's different. Very yeah, and a hockey ice cream store. I yeah. like that. Yeah flavors but and so of course some big shoes to fill but your successor Jim Cadet yeah was just recently appointed as the new head coach of Milton yeah. and yeah sure do a great job and yeah. have you guys had a chance to chat oh and yeah and, and I got to know Jim in the last couple of years as he landed at Babson I actually knew of him as a kid and his dad obviously I've, I've known for years but him and his brother I think we sent some information to the cadets way back when if they were going to look at prep school and they were thinking about it a little bit now obviously they stayed at Hanover High School but a, a bright guy quietly competitive guy there were a couple of young guys that I reached out to in the winter when, when I knew I wasn't going to continue, and, and he was one of them. I just thought in him I saw somebody that could, could do a great job with a prep school program, has a young family, mm. and I certainly hope that Milton's is good for him as it was for me, and talking with him regularly and wish him the best, and we'll always be around to help in any way that, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. And yes, we certainly can't wait to see that. And again, just very exciting. And I'm sure you've gotten this question quite a bit. And so what's What's next? So, What's so next speaking of all this, and, and I've had a summer program, uh, but I'm going to do my own thing in hockey and, and help where I can is, is how I describe it. And some of that will be with, with some on-ice activities and some of it will be with, with the off-ice and, and, and having the summer program. And so I look at that as having the good, and not to say without the not good, but, <laughs> but certainly at, at say the age I'm at but if I can carve out my own life doing what I love helping people helping kids that'll be fantastic and so that's what I'll set off or have set off doing and and we'll see where it brings us sounds amazing certainly can't wait to see more on that and and what is the name of the summer program we call it the Foxborough Summer Program that I've alluded to. Perfect. And, and I've always done something in the summer since, as I said, the early 90s. And, and this program we started maybe six or seven years ago in Foxborough and, again, geared towards the middle school kids and kind of came about with, with my own child seeing them playing summer baseball and what that entailed and then as friends with summer lacrosse and saying, okay, we can, we can provide them a little hockey development weekday mornings and and you mentioned will smith we we did something like that on the cape years ago as well on tuesday mornings where we just had a group of kids that we just came in and call it like arts and crafts or whatever and we just whatever we had we had and we worked on aspects of the game and played some games and had some fun and and that allowed the kids to have the rest of the day they chose to play summer tournaments and different things great but but that also gave them a chunk of ice where you kind of sneak it in on a weekday morning and it didn't interfere with with their baseball or their lacrosse or the soccer which i was a big fan of the kids doing mm-hmm. and so we've sort of continued continued with that and I'll also say what we do in the summer is i'm not going to lie it's an offshoot of the old mass satellite i don't say old mass satellite. yes yeah i remember that yeah yeah, yeah. and it, it was a the satellite i think all of us that were involved look back and and it was a phenomenal program it was, it was geared towards the better players in the area um but it, i thought it was phenomenal for the players and again it was basically twice a week for roughly six or seven weeks and had an off-ice component to it 
it sometimes had a video component to it and, and had an on-ice component. So it was bringing the better players together to train through the summer, many of whom were going to play in the summer festivals. At the offshoot of that, though, was that for the coaches, which I continue to benefit in the summers from working with the different coaches that come in and work the program. But back then, I was able to work early on. You had Tim Taylor and John Conniff were sort of running it and, and the mentors and and their ideas. But then I could rattle off Jamie Rice and Michael Davis and Mark Davis and Jimmy Madigan and Perte Hassanen and John Hines and David Quinn and Jimmy Madigan and, and keep going. Steve the Digi and I'm going to leave guys out. But there was a lot we... I know as a young coach, I learned so much from being on the ice with those guys and different guys had different styles and, and terminology. And so it was an incubator. I mean, as you hear that list, some of those guys obviously have gone on to, to, to the NHL and others are successful college coaches. And Kyle Corazzini was a player in that. And now obviously it's a, it's a long, long list. So I took some ideas from that and, and like to think we're continuing the best of that even even today for the young kids. Wow, well, it sounds like a very exciting venture yeah. and uh, so happy to hear that you are going to be continuing working with athletes and the privilege of working with you as well and and you get to continue your passion. Hey, it's all as you know too for yourself, Stephanie. It's it's fun. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it's it's fun. As you probably you go on the ice and you're like, yeah, so fortunate. This, yeah, is this my job? Like seriously. Yeah. And the kids are great. The people are great. Uh, the the whole life, I've been extremely lucky, and I've been extremely lucky to do it in this little geographic area now for almost thirty years since I came back to UMass Boston. Like extremely lucky. Obviously, in coaching, it's hard to stay in one place and and not just stay in one place, but you know, I've literally been within four miles of where I was born for, for almost forever now. And, and just the, the little list I, I, I mentioned, but just the, the laughs that we've all had and continue to have and the, yeah, you, the guests you bring in, just so many great people, parents, kids, coaches, awesome group of people to, to have as friends. It, it really is. It's, Paul, one of the best parts of doing this is I get to meet people like yeah. yourself. And uh, sit down and, and really just have a great hockey discussion. Yeah, so, uh, thank you. And I think a remarkable story. And uh, certainly, again, it's I think people also create their own luck and a lot of hard work and luck. But you've certainly had an incredible career in New England. And I'm, I know that there's countless student athletes that are so fortunate to have had you. Well, lots of fun. I'll say it again. Lots of lots of fun. In fairness, you're you're congratulating me that the assistant coaches that I've had too. If I could mention, I, I hope I don't forget. But starting at Milton, Jeff Cohen, who was who was one of the early goalie coaches. Actually, Jeff was a guy who worked thirty something years at Boston Public Schools. Steve Didigian comes to mind. Obviously, Joe Britannia. Yeah. Those were sort. Uh, it's not Steve Didigian. Sorry, Mike Garagosian. Those were the guys that were sort of the early goalie coaches before there was yeah. Bob Saunders, who I had the pleasure of working with, a very good friend, hockey, Mike Odessa, like literally started Randolph Youth Hockey. Nate Dudley, an assistant coach. Danny Muse early on with us that's now with the national program. Jerry Burke helped out, was a volunteer assistant. A guy from Milton, he's in the private equity world now, is a phenomenal coach. Leo Shanahan, 
a longtime coach in this area, was it was a great help to me. Josh Siaco, two years started coaching right. at Milton. Matt Underhill is now at Kimball Union, All American goalie at Cornell. Spent five years with us at Milton. Another phenomenal human being. Steve Needham, who's just been at Bentley. James Marcoux spent a year with us now at Harvard. Tyler Holsky, five years with us, now at head coach NCDC in the South Shore Kings. And Neil Hernberg's been a volunteer with us the last bunch of years. That's heartwarming, really. Just a long line of incredible people and so fortunate, right, that all of your paths have crossed. Since we have you in, in the hot seat here, we are going to pivot to our Overtime Live, the Rinkwise Overtime Live. We're going to turn it over to our producer, David Yez. Overtime. Thank you, Steph. Yes, it's time again for Overtime, where I will give both Paul and Stephanie three different questions. They are unprepared for these questions. They're sealed in this magical envelope before me. All right, let's get going. Paul, you're the guest. You get to go first. First question. What is your favorite slang hockey term? A term that only really exists in the world of hockey. Oh, there's a lot of... <laughs> you got to be careful which ones you bring up, I guess. <laughs> but uh, PG. Oh, I, there's a bunch of them. I mean, the bucket, I guess, is a, is a funny one. You uh, know? See, I don't even know that. What's the bucket? Re- referring to a helmet. Okay. You know? And I, I can't cool. imagine where that came from. Who was the first person oh, to say, put who knows? Your, take your bucket off or put your bucket on? I don't know. But Good I guess one. that's also... A, yeah, it's... In, indicative of the culture. Steph, do you have one? Well, I think on a similar mindset as coach over here, there's so many, but we'll keep it really light and funny and humorous. I mean, there's there's a couple. There's like light the lamp. That's a good uh, my coach used to say, I always thought this was funny and I still say it to the kids sometimes and they look at me like, what are you talking about? Like he used to say, if you get hit in the head, you get hit in the pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> it's, sure. It's kind of silly, but yeah. it's the kids laugh and they're like, what are you talking about? But yeah. Let me sneak sure, in. Go ahead, coach. Let me sneak in one more. T- now you're, now I'm starting to think of a whole bunch <laughs> of them, but I, I like the, uh, the stopper or the grocery stick was one. I remember Buddy Powers was the first one to use it in a clinic in Cincinnati in the early nineties at the final four. And I think Martin St. Louis That's was funny. playing in that with UVM. Miles. But I was like, grocery stick, what's it, or the stopper? Like, what, what yeah. are you talking It's a position on the team. Yeah. <laughs> he said, well, that's the guy that he doesn't play a lot, so you ask him to sit between the forwards and the D and oh. make sure that none of the forwards <laughs> go down to the D and none of the D makes <laughs> Now that's funny. That's yeah, great. That was that's a, perfect. I can picture the gross, grocery stick, yeah. yeah. That, was a, that was a good one. Did, are either of you familiar with the TV show Letter Kenny? I've probably asked you before about it stuff. I have not actually heard of that. You should. It's, it's it's a lot of Canadian humor in there. <laughs> there are a couple of hockey players. They're always saying... I'll go look it up. They're always saying, we'll snipe Selly. We'll snipe Selly, boys. We'll snipe... And it took me a while to decipher that. You guys probably know what it means. But I guess wheel around, snipe, shoot it, and then Selly celebrate. Yeah. But I like that. Anyway, let's move on to question number two. Steph, you can go first on this one. What's the worst rule in hockey or a rule that you might like to change? Oh, boy. Let's see. Well, I have never been a fan, or one of the penalties that always gets me the most agitated is probably like a too many men Mm. penalty. And when, I think, obviously, the the rule is when you're close to the bench, like if it hits a player, they have to call it. But it's just, I don't know. I think that needs to be a little bit more common sense with that. Don't enforce it as strictly, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, you got to kind of be a little bit like 
lenient. Right. You gotta, you gotta kind of, I think, read the play a little bit more. I don't know. Like for me, that's just been always been the the call or the penalty that's just driven me bananas. Yep. Yep. So, coach, how about you? Do you have a rule you don't care for? Right now, no doubt that to not not having a tag up at the at the youth level, I Good think one. everybody realize everybody has the best of intentions, but you, too many whistles and and ice time is precious, and just let them play, and mm. we'll we'll figure this out some other day. You mm. know? I would have to agree completely <laughs> with that one. Yeah, completely. Yeah. All right, for the third one, I actually have a, a hockey rules trivia question. So here's the question, and I'm going to pose it in a hypothetical and. Just since the coach is here, I'll use Milton Academy and Nobles. All right. So let's say Nobles is on the attack. They have the puck in Milton's zone, and there's a penalty called on Milton. So it's a delayed penalty. So as teams will do, Nobles pulls their goalie to get the extra man on the ice during that moment before the, the whistle sounds. Now, we know that they do this because there's little risk of anything happening. If, if one of the Milton players manages to clear it and put it in the net, that goal doesn't count. But... What happens in this case is a Nobles player goes to back pa- pass it back to someone who's closer to mid-ice and it goes into the net, goes into the empty net. So Nobles has scored on their own net. The question is, does that pe- does that count as a goal? I believe it does. <laughs> so okay. I've never, I've, yeah, it's funny, too. I've never seen it happen yeah. right. that I can yeah, recollect, likewise. even as a spectator or, or being involved in a game. Right. But I, I do believe it counts as what a do goal. You, what do you think, Steph? I would probably also have to agree because I think the rule is they don't, they're not supposed to blow the whistle until a player from the other team comes in contact with the puck. Right. You're both absolutely right. So yes, that is, that is high five coach. Yeah, that is. And that, that's (laughs) something that you're right, coach. I I don't think I've ever seen it happen, but it could, it's, it's not that unusual that someone makes an errant pass and it goes and the, the net is empty back there. Right. So, that does count, and so you both have successfully navigated over time. Congratulations. You both wheel sniped, and you may now sell <laughs> We did. <laughs> we had a high five there. Okay. Yeah, oh, obviously. good. Okay. Obviously couldn't see it. Right. Not on the air. But uh, no, good question. And uh, Coach, what an absolute pleasure to have you in studio yeah. today. We can't thank you enough for joining us. Yeah, always fun just to talk and chat, and it's great that they, these podcasts is another thing that didn't exist five, ten years ago, and it's, it's great that we all have these, whatever our interest is. It's fun. It's uh, It certainly gives us a platform, yeah. certainly yeah. across New England, and uh, no question, it's it's a great platform for folks to be able to listen to someone like yourself and, and also just celebrate just a wonderful career, and uh, certainly can't wait to see what's in store next. Yeah, thank you again. Thanks for having me. We'll definitely have to have you back on when we catch up with your new venture. Yeah. And that does it for this edition of RinkWise. Our podcast is produced by David Yaz. Be sure to catch us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Any Hockey Journal. And subscribe with us online at hockeyjournal.com. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. RinkWise is a Siemens Media production. <laughs>